Well, pastor's been preaching about the process. And uh, Cora, if I could get you to put up the first graphic. And this is, oh, children. Sorry, Charlene. If all the children could go see Miss Charlene, she has something special planned for you today. Bless you guys. Cora, if you want to put up that first graphic. And he, he showed us this first graphic of our plan and how we think our life should go, what that looks like. And then he's put up a second graphic <laughs> and, uh, of reality. And how many of you can relate to this graphic? Well, <clears throat> I'd like to explain this graphic a little more fully. And uh, my children have come up with their own interpretation of it. And uh, pastors' families are fun. Uh, they, they've, they learn to have fun with sermons and, and things that are going on in the church. And so um, starting over here on the left, according to my children, this first pit with the rocks in it represents Vanessa. Um, then the second pit here, which looks like maybe has a wooden bridge across it, is Joshua. Um, the third pit, all three of them took great delight in telling their sister that that was Olivia, uh, for which their father replied, at least she had the smarts to build a zip line. And then uh, this little tiny, tiny, tiny depression there is Justin. So my question was, well, but there's five. <laughs> Bless my children. Two of them have uh, decided that they love their father and I very much. And uh, that last dip represents an empty nest. And um, they don't want their father and I to ever have to experience the horrors and the pain of an empty nest, so they're never leaving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Elise figured last Sunday, Pastor David was talking about Joshua. You know, when uh, your child is driving you crazy, but you go tuck him in at night and they're so peaceful and you think, oh, and your heart melts. Justin was sure it wasn't him. <laughs> so today, as Pastor has been preaching, I had, and he was, and I mean, we, we sat down this week and we kind of went through all of the different sermons that he's covered, and it's like, wow. And, uh, but I was thinking about the different pits. My kids got me thinking about that. The different pits, what they are. Now, I wouldn't suggest you name them your children. <laughs> so today what I want to talk about is progressing through the process, getting out of that pit. So let's just bow our heads. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your people. I thank you that we have the opportunity to gather, to hear your word, to worship you, oh, to just be in your presence and hear you speak to us and touch our hearts. Father, I just submit myself to you. 
that I would speak the words that you would want me to speak. Lord, that you would flow through me. Lord, that you would cause our hearts to be open to receive and to hear your word. In your precious name, amen. So I want to talk a little bit today about what we do when we're in the pit. What pit are you in? That was a good question. How do we get out? And what determines how long we're in the pit? Those are all great questions. And I'm probably not going to answer them today for you. Um, Pastor and I were talking and this week about the sermon and hashing different verses and things around. And, and I said, I, I don't want a five-step thing to get out of a pit. And I had, this <laughs> I had this quote come up on my Facebook yesterday. If how-tos were enough, we'd all be skinny, rich, and happy. <laughs> Sometimes we're in the pit so long that we've set up camp. We didn't move through it. We've decorated it. We've hung curtains. We've got a little spot where we like to have our tea. For the men, you know, you've tricked out your garage, your man cave. We're comfortable. We're cozy. It's familiar. And we begin to build our lives there. We develop mindsets and life patterns in the pit. Maybe you've heard of some. This is my lot in life. That one grates up my spine like a fingernails on a chalkboard. Healing is not for today. My family has the history of, I had one relative, they came for a visit, we went out. And do you know what they spent the drive talking about? Please tell us our family history so I know what to expect when I'm old. So we have diabetes in our family? Okay. And I thought, uh, not here we don't. But that was the mindset. I guess I was not meant to have friends. Pastor David had um, a man come into the office a couple weeks ago, and he was looking for money. And uh, he had those long, long long story. I had prayer, and he was still there. And uh, <laughs> as I'm walking out of the prayer room, I hear Pastor David is, you know, he's showing him out the door and everything, and I hear Pastor David say, well, if that's your attitude, that's, nothing's going to change for you. And I thought, oh my goodness, what happened? <laughs> what went on while I was in prayer? And uh, this man had gone on, and, and so I asked Pastor David, and he goes, no, he was going on, and he was just like, I'm just a poor truck driver. I'm never going to amount to anything. And that was, his, that was his thought process. He was living in the pit. He had made his home in the pit. Uh, maybe the enemy is bigger than me. There's a bad mindset to have. It's not even biblical or based on truth. We have an incorrect view of our position in Christ an incorrect self-portrait. We don't really believe it is finished. And these mindsets begin to control us, 
and we begin to wear them like our favorite sweater, and we get all cozy. And we are content to stay in that pit. Sometimes we settle in there so long, we've just given up. We've just given up. This is just the way it's going to be. I always love it when I see someone come for prayer, for healing. And um, they may have been for prayer 50 times, but they're still coming for prayer. And I'm like, good for you. You keep pursuing. You keep pursuing. You keep on. Don't settle in the mindset that this is just the way it's going to be. Keep pursuing till God answers. So how did we get to this place of living in a pit instead of moving through it? Because it's a process. We're supposed to move through it. Why do some people give up? Why do we settle for this? Again, all great questions that you can ask yourself. Giving up doesn't just happen. There's a progression to it. Starts out with we have an expectation. What's our expectation? That expectation doesn't happen. It turns to disappointment. Disappointment turns to disillusionment and discouragement and depression. Maybe I expected something to happen one way, and it happened another way. We're exhausted. We're tired. Been there. Done that. So exhausted, you think, what is the point? You cannot see the way out. And here's what happens when we get into that condition. We begin to question Did I hear God correctly? Did God really say? We get to the point where it's not worth it. Fear comes into play because we're so cozy and comfortable, we know where we're at. To get out, we don't know what that's out there. So fear can hold us. Sometimes we don't understand the timeline, and we don't understand that it's just a season. Sometimes we don't learn the personal growth lessons that God has been using to teach us through this pit. Some things in those areas require something of us. And sometimes we like, to do, we like to try to do God's job, and we want God to do ours. And he's going, I've given you the tools. And all of this comes, and we get to this place of exhaustion and tired and discouraged and depressed and disillusioned. We don't know what God has said anymore. We're questioning it. And we come like the widow of Zarephath. I'm just going to make and take, I got these few sticks, and I'm going to take my last little bread of flour and my last little bit of oil. I'm going to make a cake. My son and I are going to eat it, and we're going to die. How many of you have felt like that? Not a good place to raise your hand. (laughs) But I know we all have. We all have. So today I want to talk about the widow, 
And Cor, if you want to put up 1 Kings 17, verse 8 to 16. And I'm going to read this passage, and then, and then we're going to talk about it a bit. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, uh, to Elijah, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate at the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl and a little oil in a jar. Behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son, that we may eat and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Isn't that interesting? First thing out of his mouth, do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterwards, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the oil jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake through, through Elijah. So the widow had been in this for so long, she, she had no more options. She was out of options. She had nothing left. And Elijah comes on the scene, and it's interesting, um, the verses previous to this, he has gone before Ahab, and he's decreed there's no rain. And then God says, I want you to go to this brook, and I'm going to, um, I, want you to I want you to stay by this brook. And God supernaturally fed him. The ravens came. They brought him food. The brook provided his water. And, uh, but now the brook had dried up. And, you know, Elijah had set up camp. This was comfortable. It was comfortable here. He's being supernaturally fed. He was resting. Ahab and Jezebel couldn't find him. He was comfortable. All his needs were being met. It felt safe there. And we're going to see what I found interesting was Elijah was in his own pit. And God used drying up the brook to move him. Because I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. God didn't just tell Elijah to go do it. No, the brook dried up. He dried up the brook. And then he said, I want you to go. And he says, I want you to go, and a widow's going to provide for you. Now, isn't it interesting that the widow had nothing? So God's sending Elijah to a place for his provisions that had nothing for him. The widow had nothing. So Elijah and the widow meet. He asks for a piece of bread. We read the story.
what I want us to see with Elijah's part of the story is that God had prepared that place for him. God had prepared the brook for him. But it was time to move. And we must recognize when God wants us to move. We must recognize there was no more provisions for Elijah at the brook. The ravens weren't coming anymore. The brook was dry. Elijah had to move to be sustained. And we must recognize when God wants us to move. God was moving Elijah into position to meet the widow's need. How interesting is that? The widow was done. She'd given up. She couldn't see a way out. She didn't know God was sending Elijah. But he is the God who sees. I want you to grab hold of that. He is the God who sees. He saw your situation before you ever got there. He knew where you were going to be today, long time ago. He has put everything in place for you to succeed in this season. Because he has gone into your future. He has set things up. Then we see she stated the facts to Elijah. I have just enough oil and I have just enough flour. I'm making cakes. We're going to eat and die. Okay? That was true. It was true. That's all she had. But that was a fact. Elijah spoke truth to her. He prophesied to her. He said, do not fear. Do what you have said. Make me a little bread, cake, and from it first bring it out to me. And afterwards you may make one for yourself and one for your son. And the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So, she spoke fact. She told Elijah the facts. Elijah spoke truth to her. He spoke God's word to her. So let me ask you this. What is God's word speaking to you in your situation? And you say, well, no one's given me a prophetic word in the last two weeks. That may be true. But he is giving you his word. So what does his word say about your situation? Begin speaking that and decreeing it over your life. Amen? Hold on to the prophetic words. Hold on to those words where God has brought that to you. Her obedience opened supernatural provisions for her. 
not just for herself, but for her son and for Elijah. Behind God's instruction lies your provision. What has God said? What is he asking you to do? Again, great questions. Then I want you to see something else. The next set of verses, the woman's son dies. And she goes to Elijah, and uh, she says, Hey, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took her son and he was raised from the dead. The widow's first experience with the oil and the flour and the supernatural provision that flowed out of her obedience set her up to believe for, have faith for, and have an expectation for when her son died. What you are going through today is going to give you vision and faith for the future, for the next battle, the next pit. You need it. What you're learning today about his goodness, he is a good, good father. And the foundation of everything that we believe is based on the goodness of God. That is setting us up to believe for the next thing, for the next miracle. It also is giving you an opportunity to say, hey, God's done this for me, and if he's done this for me, he will do it for you. Because he is not a respecter of persons. So what I found interesting about the whole story was we have two people who are each in their own process. Elijah's in his own process and the widow's in her process. And God used them both to help each other. So God may send someone to you to help you through your process, to help you get out of that pit. So my question today is what pit do you feel you're in? Where are you feeling discouraged and hopeless and you are not experiencing the goodness of God in? Where have you set up camp, hung curtains, tweaked out your man cave? Today, I'm here to tell you 
it is time. It's time to pack up the curtains. It's time to pack up your man cave. And it's time to go. It's not comfortable anymore. It's time to move through the pit to the next thing that God has for you and to walk out in victory. So maybe you have felt the pit of betrayal, just like Joseph. You want to look at some pits, just go look at Joseph's life. That poor guy. So he he experienced betrayal. Maybe you've experienced betrayal in your family, in your friendships. Maybe you had expectations of your family and friends, and it all fell apart. And they didn't make meet your expectations. And you've sought solace in the pit. You've put on your warm, comfy, cozy sweater. And you've settled in to say, I'm good. Don't need people. They just hurt me. Another one from Joseph was the pit of accusation and lies. Maybe you've experienced accusation and lies. Maybe it's a pit of your own words. Another one from Joseph. Maybe your words have gotten you in trouble. Maybe your words have caused isolation. Hmm. Maybe your words have created a pit that you're living in. God wants to break that pit today with his words of life. Maybe, uh, maybe you're experiencing the pit of sin and wrong decisions and wrong choices. David and Bathsheba is one of those. Sometimes our decisions, and let's call it sin, gets us into places where we get stuck in one of those pits and we can't see a way out. And usually around that time is when the enemy likes to come in with his lies and he likes to whisper and say, hmm, this is what you deserve. This is your lot. This is your place in life. You're not good for anything. You keep messing up. And we begin to believe the lies and we sit in the pit. I can't get out. And we come under condemnation instead of conviction. Maybe you're experiencing the pit of barrenness. Hannah was a great example of that. Pastor preached on it. Is there an area that is barren in your life? Is there an area in your life that is not bearing fruit? That you are in anguish of soul before the Lord, crying out to him saying, I just want to be fruitful. I just want to be fruitful. Maybe you're hiding. Another word would be self-protect. Because sometimes when we've been hurt so much, we like to self-protect. We like to just put that cozy sweater on and self-protect. Elijah hid. Gideon hid. David hid. Maybe you're like the widow and 
happened, Elijah? A lack of provisions. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your finances and a breakthrough in provisions. Maybe you are stuck in a pit of fear like Gideon. He was in fear, threshing wheat. Maybe it's from a poor self-image. Gideon kept saying, me? Who, me? I got to put out a fleece. Huh, let me put out another fleece. Huh. He didn't have a good self-portrait. What do you think about yourself? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you see yourself as Patty prophesied this morning? Warriors in a chariot, clothed in righteousness, seated with him in heavenly places, victorious. Amen. Full of hope and destiny. Or maybe you're like Jonah. Maybe you've been running. Maybe you know God is asking you to do a specific thing or to do something specifically or cut something out of your life and you're like, I'm out of here. Maybe you're like Jonah. Okay, honestly, I think that's got to be the worst pit. Three days in the belly of a fish. Don't run. (laughs) Not a pleasant experience. Maybe it's the pit of infirmity, infirmity, or illness, or sickness. The woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she'd been plagued with that for many, many, many years. Maybe that's a pit you're in. Maybe you're going, Jesus, I need you to touch me. Today I'm here to tell you, it's time. It's time. The time in the pit is over. You don't have to stay there any longer. It's time to move through it. The brook's dried up, the ravens are gone, and you need to go to the next place to experience God's provisions for you. So as if, if this was you this morning, if you can identify with what I've been talking about, because I can. I want you just to lift your hands to the Lord this morning.
Let's lift your hands. What's God saying? What's he speaking to you right now? What's he asking you to do? Time to move. What's his instruction to you? He is speaking to you right now and he is giving you an instruction that's going to require some obedience. What you've experienced in the past is no longer going to hold you and tie you to your future. But God is calling you forth. He is calling you out. He is calling you to step out in faith. He is calling you to walk forward. And he will meet you in that place with your provision. We just break mindsets now in the name of Jesus. We just break mindsets now in the name of Jesus. Every incorrect, unbiblical thought process that has kept you in the pit is broken now in the name of Jesus. His word, his truth. is going to rule your mind and your heart. Hmm. Old thought patterns are being broken and crushed now in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Jesus. As I was listening this morning, God reminded me of your prophetic word, Patty, the, the gift of prophecy, the interpretation of tongues, and the picture that you painted with our mindsets and some of those things that we get involved in. And, and, and there, was two picture, there was a picture of two different chariots and one chariot was dilapidated. The lumber was decaying. The horses were exhausted. The, the, the ability to move forward was no longer there. And God was standing and he was giving us the opportunity to move from our place of where we were to a place where he's at and his provision and it was so powerful the horses their feet were pounding the ground I could see their nostrils blaring I could see the chariot just ready to go and 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 the Lord standing there saying this isn't working but here's what I have for you this is what I have for you. And Pastor Winona and I have been spending the week talking about this and the sermon. And, and I want to encourage you as, as she's been talking and, and talking about saying some of the, maybe some of the pit that we might be in. God doesn't want you to stay there, but he wants you to move to what he has for you. And what he has for you is strong is powerful, is able, is capable, is true, is alive, and it's ready to move forward. So this morning, as you've been listening, if God's been speaking to you and God's identified, Pastor Winona's spoken about a number of different pits we might find ourselves in, and we get so comfortable in them that we give them names and we stay there. Because sometimes it's more comfortable to stay in our agony than it is to move to what God's got for us. So I want to encourage you, as the Lord is speaking to you right now, if he's identifying, if he's putting his finger on something, as, as Pastor Winona spoke prophetically, it is time to move. Don't stay, but take a step and say, I'm moving forward into what God has for me. Hallelujah. Hmm. God is good, amen? How many of you can identify... This morning. Yeah. Amen. 
Lord, just reminding me of my past in my anticipation to be in the ministry, in my anticipation to plant a church, and all the things that I went through, the pits that I was in for a long time. But there was always a new provision and a new experience. That my past experience could never ever provide for me. And often we stay in our previous experience, but God is saying, I have more for you than you could ever imagine. And one of the keys to the process is this. I may not understand. I may not be able to define. I may not be able to even articulate it. But it doesn't nullify the experiential knowledge that God has for me. Our thought and our mindsets often keep us in where we think we can perform. But God has showed me that he could perform much more than I could ever think. This facility was more, it was prophetically spoken to us. It's prophetically spoken to you. I couldn't bring it a pass. I could not make it work. And so I'm living in my limited understanding and knowledge in the process he had for me. And without sometimes the pit of being in the hospital in intensive care twice in one year, actually God could speak to me and take me out of my experiential knowledge and bring me into something that he needed to define and show me from the Gospels. God will never leave you where you are. That's good. Thank you. So if you want to trade in the old wagon, as Patty said, for that chariot, you want to move in to the next provision that God has from you and move out of this pit, just stand with me this morning, and we're going to sing this song. And I want you to say, Lord, Lord, take me into what you have for me. I will obey your instruction. Because what he has done, he will do it again. And he will do it again. And he will do it again. Amen. You can put the words up, Cora. Because sometimes I've kind of felt like this. I felt like we've walked around these walls. We've walked around the walls. When are they going to fall? Today, they're falling. Today, they're falling. He's saying it's time to come out. We don't have to stay there anymore. There is victory because he has paid for that victory. He has fought the battle. And we get to walk out.